Thanks so much, Richard. I'm Kendi Easley, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bethany. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're here. And we hope that you also are appreciating your bodies this morning. Because we are the second week in a row talking about bodies. Why are we talking about bodies in church? That's what I kind of want to start us thinking about. And I want to start with an incident that happened to me a long while ago when I was a newlywed. My husband and I really wanted to go to Israel. But right when we had saved up the money and we had planned the trip, conflict broke out and we couldn't go. So we kind of looked at each other and thought, well, should we take a risk? Should we try to go anyway? Or what does God want us to do instead? And we had gotten this newsletter from a monastery that was inviting people to come and learn how to be spiritual directors. And we thought, well, perhaps instead of going to see kind of the old pathways of Jesus, we'll go and see what the new thing the Holy Spirit might want to do in us as we might become these spiritual directors. So we went to this 30 days in a monastery, which was a big adventure. Part of that included coming to understand our physical self as part of the way that God moves in the world. And at one point, we were doing this kind of meditation. We were laying down in a gym, flat on our backs, and one of the monks was leading us kind of in this prayer, which went like this. I have a body, but I am more than my body. And we were asked to kind of repeat that. And as I did so, I wondered, how is this the case? that we both have a body, we're contained within a body, and yet there's something, there's part of us that's essentially more than our body. It's, it's almost as if God's spirit, so much bigger than our own bodies, is at work in us. And so we've, I've come to understand that over these years, but in a particular way, as we've been studying together, I realized that you're going to see a picture of how I used to think about my body. It was kind of over to the side. And the spirit and the soul, like that's the part where God was really concerned about what did I believe and what is the state of my soul and where am I going for eternity? Not so much this idea that these things are connected. When I was a kid, I used to think that you would get a cold because you weren't thankful for your nose or you would stub your finger playing basketball and jam it up because you forgot to be grateful for your hands. I'm coming to understand that is not how God works. <laughs> but he did design us to be one person, spirit, soul, and body. We, we can't be ourselves, if you will, without a body. We can't put our body aside and just be me. And we see that God presents this to us in the fact that he himself took on human form. He brought honor to physical matter, even to the human body. And God, we're going to look at today, designed us to be stewards, not only of the whole earth, but almost in a mini microcosm way, to be stewards of our own body. For some of us, it feels like our bodies have, have betrayed us or, or maybe weren't even designed properly in the first place. How does God show up in the midst of those kind of challenging physical circumstances? And how might our own bodies, even in our suffering, be a catalyst to draw us to each other and to God? So now we see that our body is joined with our spirit and our soul. And it's transforming my thinking to begin to understand that the spirit 
is at work in our identity, like in our deepest self. And it's moving through our soul and our mind, our emotions, our will. And then it's emanating out into the world through our physical bodies. I have tried to depict this in this kind of colored slide to show that it's this interior life of God that God wants to reshape in such a way that it's presented in a new way to the world. Our bodies are the physical means through which our spiritual transformation is lived out as a blessing to the world. So today we're going to consider three things. First, how the incarnation intervenes into human history and reshapes our understanding of God. And then secondly, that the reality that God gave humanity, gave us responsibility to be stewards over all creation and in a very specific way, stewards over our own bodies. And then lastly, how can we surrender the circumstances of our lives, whatever they are, to God's purposes? Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you that you took on human form We thank you that you invite us to be co-stewards of the earth and of ourselves. God, I thank you that you have planted your spirit in us, that you so desire that your very life would be made known through us. And so, our God, we ask that you would take whatever circumstances we're in today and show us how we might surrender them to you, that they would be used to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So quickly first, this idea that the incarnation is sort of God's intervention into human history. By taking on human form, Jesus demonstrates the importance of the body. We see this in John 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We see in Philippians that Jesus did not count the glories of heaven something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a human being. All of God was somehow contained in the physical body of Jesus. Colossians 1 tells us, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him and through him. He is before all things, his supremacy over all things. In him, all things hold together. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God was pleased to dwell in a human being, in human form. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in Mere Christianity. There is no good trying to be more spiritual than God. God never meant humanity to be a purely spiritual creature. That is why he uses material things like bread and wine to put new life into us. We may think this is rather crude and unspiritual. Do you ever think that when we're celebrating communion? Like we're breaking this little cracker and we're sipping this little juice. Why? Because Jesus gave his body and blood for us. God doesn't think these things are crude or unspiritual. Lewis says this, he invented eating. God likes matter. He invented it. God goes about transforming life through physical matter. 
By taking on human form, God models for us what it means to be human, to be a physical human being. And as Richard taught last week, to understand our bodies, our physical self, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't contained in a building or in an ark, it's contained in us. So as temples of the Holy Spirit, how are we to live? The passage that Richard read this morning, Romans 12:1, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? How do we present our bodies? How are our bodies, our physical selves, to be an act of receiving and using God's gifts? Today in your bulletin, or you received a little uh, sheet, it's called a body reflection. And this is kind of, if you will, an assessment sheet for you. If you believe, as I'm uh, putting forth, that we have a responsibility to steward our bodies, this is kind of a little uh, test example for you to have a look at, not maybe right now, but maybe right now, um, how you're doing in the health of your body. And I would like to suggest that there are three kind of emphases on the health of our bodies that we're going to look at today. And Richard, you're on deck for my little interview example here on this. So there are three ways that I just want to highlight that we might be good stewards of our bodies. And the first one is this, that we get good sleep. How easy is that? God wants us to rest He wants us to wake restored and refreshed. He wants us to have the kind of sleep that takes care of our bodies and restores our bodies. So good sleep. And the next one, good food. Now, I'm not talking about going to a fancy restaurant and having something fancy. I'm just talking about eating well. Are you consuming junk food? Are you consuming healthy food? Are you eating with the kind of frequency that keeps your body healthy, that makes sense for your body? And then lastly, good movement. And I'm not talking what happens in your bowels, though that's relevant. I'm talking about how you physically move around in the world. Do you get up often enough? It's said that every 20 minutes, if you're a person who does a job that has a lot of sitting, it's said that about every 20 minutes is the right amount of time just to get up. Up and move. So Richard, I want to invite you <clears throat> to come on up. I did this little survey of several people who are leaders um, here at Green Lake, our leadership advisory team, and I learned a lot about what people's habits are. We have one person, uh, a leader in our community, who's a surgeon, and he drinks Gatorade all day and has one meal in the evening. This is now called the OMAD, one meal a day. He also wakes up, runs, and as he runs, he prays for all the patients that he's going to be seeing that day. So, Richard, that's what someone else does. I want to hear for you. What are your practices around good sleep, good food, good movement? Great. Is this, is this on? No. There now you it's are. On. Okay, here we go. So, uh, around sleep, my goal is seven hours a night. And uh, I try, so I try and go to bed early enough because I know I have to get up early. I know I wake up early anyway, so I try to go, go to bed early enough to get seven hours a night. And I like to read before I go to bed, and I tend to read on Kindles or iPads, so I have those funky blue light glasses. Oh, you do, the special that, amber that thing. That help yep. me uh, sleep after I, after I read. So seven hours. On the food side of things, I'm not OMAD, but I'm IF, which is intermi- intermittent fasting. I usually, most days, skip breakfast and uh, live on coffee till about noon and then, and then have a meal. And I try every day as well to have a smoothie 
that's packed with nutrients. So I get my, my kale and my carrots and my veggies and my grapefruit in a smoothie every day. And then on the movement front, I just try and move every day. So if I'm up in the mountains, that would be skiing or hiking. If I'm down here in the city, that would be running around Green Lake. And if it's a very busy day, which sometimes happens, then I'm just jumping rope for 15 minutes. But something every day seems to help. Just jumping rope for 15 minutes. When's the last time anybody else in the room jumped rope for 15 minutes? Okay, Richard, we'd like to celebrate your good habits. Well done. May Thank we you. walk in the ways Thank of Richard you. Dahlstrom. It's so fun to have Richard here, and I just had to have you kind of hear from him. He's a regular person in a body, too. You know, God's given him this amazing gift of teaching that he has to steward his physical self. And he didn't share with you that sometimes his schedule includes international travel, landing, and back within 12 hours, he's up here teaching, or is he the other direction, he's over there teaching multiple times in a row. So for some of us, physical stamina is something that God's asking of us. And how do you develop that? How do you develop these patterns of regular rest that uh, cause your body to be able to do what it needs to be, it needs to do as to what God's called you to? So maybe that stirs something in you. Maybe as you fill out your, your little self-assessment, God's moving in you some way to help you to be a healthier body. But maybe you're in a different circumstance, and I'd like to show you a quick clip about that. So when I saw the title of this sermon series, So You Think You've Got Problems, I could relate. <laughs> I've been going through cancer treatment, and I'm, I'm sporting a new head of hair, and it's a thrill, truly, to be part of... to be kind of sitting here before you. I'm monitoring my energy so I can preach a few times today and using a stool, so forgive that. Many of you have been part of supporting our family, and I am so grateful. And I'm grateful, too, to be able to bring you the word that right in the midst of whatever we're going through, God wants to do his work, that God wants to work his will in our lives. So it was about 10 years ago since I put this little robe on and preached about Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat of many colors. And I just, about a month ago, got word that the cancer medicine that I've been on for all these years uh, probably has done its work, and I have about the same risk of getting cancer as anyone else right now. So uh, I wanted to share, thank you. it's emotional for me, just even thinking, like, should I put on that thing that I've been saving all these years? Just, it's Valentine's Day, maybe I can get away with it, you know, it's this red thing. And because it reminds me of how really ashamed I was that I was a person who didn't take good care of myself. I'm not saying I got cancer because I didn't get my mammograms often enough, though I didn't, though I was a little bit overweight, which I still am, or because it was any fault of my own. Sometimes things just happen. But don't you want to be a person who does everything you can to put yourself in the pathway of health? 
And I think that's one of the lessons that I learned a very hard way through getting diagnosed with stage 4B, which is basically less than a 50% chance of survival, um, breast cancer. I lost a breast, and about a year later, I got the tummy tuck where the breast was reconstructed. I got the flat tummy out of the deal, which is very fun. <laughs> but to be someone who walks a journey that I didn't know I would come out on the other side. It changed my perspective on life, on time, on relationships, and it's hard to capture what all that meant. Uh, my husband's in the front row, and he and my two kids who were in their early teens at the time had to walk that journey uh, with me, uh, maybe three or four months as I went through chemo treatment, lost my hair, had a surgery, did some more chemo, started radiation, which concluded on Christmas Eve. I actually didn't quite make it. I had to stop on the 23rd. I, I wasn't the same. I, I became kind of a different person. I was a sick person. I was a person who couldn't get up. I couldn't make my own breakfast, let alone anyone else's. I became dependent on the community around me. My diagnosis came right when I was about to kind of clean up that spring cleanup in the garden, which I love to be outside and have my hands in the dirt, and I couldn't do that when I'm on chemo because I have no defense mechanisms. So people came around, and we had a garden day at our house. When I lost all my hair, I think the women at Bellevue Presbyterian Church, which is where I served and that clip is from, realized that that was going to be hard for me. To, to walk around with no hair, and I put on the wig, and it was so hot I couldn't wear it. So people showered me with earrings. It's like, here's something to make up for it, just to know that I was loved. Earrings and lotions and candles came pouring in, as well as food for our family. I was going through an acute crisis, and I have the privilege now of standing here before you. I have the privilege, really, of living into what some call bonus time, and I have, I have a book I was going to show you, but one of our um, council members, Alec Hill, has, is also a cancer survivor, and he wrote a book called Bonus Time. In it, he talks about the trauma of letting go, the trauma of trying to be a faithful person in the midst of the uncertainty of life. And this reminds me of the passage that Richard read out of John. When Jesus was walking around, approaching Jerusalem, he didn't show up first at the temple. He showed up at these pools that were known to be healing pools. And at those healing pools, there were people all over uh, gathered because what they believed is that when the pool was stirred up, there was a mysterious opportunity for just one person to jump into the pool, hop in, roll in, however, get into the water, and that healing would happen. So when Jesus approaches this one man, he asks him, do you want to be healed? And I've always taken that question as kind of an obvious answer. Of course the man wants to be healed, right? If, if you filled out your little assessments or you are somebody right now who's, who's awaiting a difficult diagnosis or you are in an acute time of physical distress, don't you want to be healed? And yet the question sort of hangs there for all of us. Do you want to be well? In the King James Version, it's translated, wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole. 
I would suggest that if you do desire to be made whole, that's a sort of a partnership between you and God. There are things that you can do to be a healthy person. We've listed off some of them. Get good sleep. Eat good food. Move your body around. Serve others. Let your life be a representation of God on earth. Do the things you can do to be a healthy person. And then here's what somehow happens in that moment. The story goes on this way. The man says, yes, essentially, yes, but. Yes, I want to be whole. I want to be healthy. But there's no one to put me into the pool. So, so his only understanding of health is, is to be put into that pool. And, and evidently, he's become so difficult, so challenging to work with that he just lives by the side of these pools for 38 years. He has no family. When did they leave? Do they come and visit him? He's, he's unclean, and he's, he's gathered around with all kinds of other people, probably people who are paraplegics, people who are blind, people who could also couldn't get themselves into the pool. Do, do they help each other? Who, who, who gets that kind of victory, if you will, of healing? So as we look at this question, do you want to be made well? Part of it is, are you doing the things that you can do to be a healthy person? And the other part of it is, are you able to surrender and accept the circumstances of your own life? When I got diagnosed, it was on a Monday afternoon, <clears throat> and my husband and I received this information, and they said, you're going to have to choose somewhere to be treated, and I had no idea what quite what I was facing and where would I want to be treated. And as we turned uh, to, after we got this news and walk into the huge bank of hospital elevators, the doors open, and as we walked in, there was a woman whose husband was essentially a cancer doctor, a radiologist. And she said, I, I kind of didn't recognize her, and I, I said, I I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. I've just been diagnosed with cancer. And she said, oh, I go to Bellevue Presbyterian Church, and my husband's a, a radiologist, and uh, I, do you need help? And I said, yes. And so she immediately um, kind of called him. I had a straight line to that doctor, and he walked me through so that by Thursday, I was going to have um, the biopsy that would help to determine what my treatment was going to be. So on Wednesday night, I had called my pastor and we gathered some elders together and I said, I really just want to be prayed for because the story I would long for is a story of healing. If God could heal me now, then tomorrow when I go in for the next test, it would be clean and wouldn't that be a great story to get to tell? As I made that prayer request and people began to pray for me, I was sitting in a chair and I remember that not just their hands, but the presence of God was so thick in that room that I couldn't even stay seated. I sort of slid off the chair, and I was laying on the floor with my arms outstretched like this, praying fervently for healing. And as we prayed, something shifted in my mind, and I began to think aloud, I believe, and I began to say, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender. Whether my story is gonna be one of miraculous healing, or it's going to be one of suffering through treatment and maybe not surviving, or one of being healed through treatment. I just surrender my story to you. And that's part of why I'm standing here today. 
giving my life, myself, to what God wants to do with me at Bell Press, at Bethany, on Sunday mornings, through the week, I would invite you to do the same, to offer yourself a living sacrifice. And then there are some of us uh, for whom this acute situation doesn't end. It, it isn't something where there's an a end of the sentence, period, good news, the cancer's gone. Some of us live with an ongoing physical challenge. It's, it's not to be healed. My husband and I went through infertility, and the way God reframed that for us is we became parents through adoption. Sometimes God wants to do something different than what we're hoping for or what we're expecting. Maybe that guy, after 38 years of laying by the pool, when he was asked, do you want to be well, maybe that guy couldn't even imagine what that would look like. If he went to stand up, would his legs really work? Who would he return home to? He had no job. He'd grown accustomed to his circumstances. But nonetheless, Jesus says, take up your mat and walk, and he's able to do so. The opposite thing happens to the Apostle Paul. Paul describes having a thorn in the flesh. Little is known about it. It was perhaps an eye problem. He says to the Lord, three times I pleaded, take it away from me. But God responds to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. How does God want to move through the circumstances of not being healed, of not being the one? I began to think about that guy there for 38 years. Jesus walks up to him, and he's healed. But what about all the others? What story did they live to tell? Once upon a time, there was a guy who got healed by Jesus. Or did they come to believe that there is a God who has the kind of power to change life? Yes, to change physical circumstances, but also to change one's spirit from the inside out. There are so many illustrations of people who live with imperfect, ailing bodies, people whose circumstances daily involve a wheelchair, daily involve a disability, daily involve a loneliness, a trauma, a memory that won't let go a sense of despair. And yet God offers himself in the midst of those circumstances. You've heard the song, and we're going to sing it in just a moment, Be Thou My Vision. The words of that song were written by a 6th century Celtic monk. He was a poet who went blind in midlife. And in that opening verse, he poignantly draws on his experience. Be thou my vision. O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art, thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. It's as if he turns his heart toward God and says, in all circumstances, I will worship you. May we do likewise. Please pray with me. Gracious God, I ask that you would help us to make peace with the circumstances of our life whether there are times of acute illness right now, whether there are people that are difficult for us to love and to be in relationship with, whether we're going through something that's heartbreakingly sad, or whether, God, you have given us abilities, physical abilities that we enjoy, that that we get to um, 
delight in what our bodies can do. We ask that you might be Lord of it all, that you might make yourself known to us and through us. Lord, we pray over the things that have been shared today, even the sense of need that we have in children's ministry, that we ask people would step forward um, and be willing to be a part of that. I think of all those who serve at Bethany whose bodies um, are offered in the service of others as they make community meals or spend perhaps a night without good sleep here at the shelter, or whether they offer themselves um, at work and to their colleagues. Lord, could you please cause us to be a healthy people whose bodies are able to serve you well? And God, I thank you that somehow in your great economy, uh, you offer a healing that goes beyond physical, that you are a God who offers us your very self, that you walk with us through times of darkness, that you yourself experienced pain and suffering in your mortal body. And our God, I ask that you would inspire us, that we, we might come to know that while there is so much life on earth, there is more to life than what we can see or even imagine. God, take our immortal bodies and use them for your good purposes for all eternity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.